All right. We have a lot to cover today, and I'm, only, I'm going to read Scripture, and then I'm going to um, come back to this next week. Because we're doing a series right now and dealing with preparing to do the work I was called to do. So quickly, I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts. I'm going to read several scriptures today. And we'll only be able to deal with primarily uh, one verse, but it's going to cover different areas. So, well, you're going to be dealing with different books. The book of Acts, turn to chapter 2. You're going to be going in Leviticus and Exodus as well. But I want you to turn first to um, Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read the first 12 verses. And then we're going to go to Leviticus chapter 23, and I'll give you the verses when we get there. But first, turn in the book, in the Bible to Acts. Please stand as we pray for the word of God. Today, Lord, we pray that you will anoint and bless your servant. May the hearers have ears to hear. We love you. We thank you for this awesome opportunity and privilege to be able to exalt the name of Jesus. We give your name all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. You know, I, went to, I did a wedding yesterday. My nephew, Shalah, he got married in Petaluma. He and Maude Page, they are now married and on their way, if not already, well, I guess they're on their way to Hawaii. Um, and there were some wonderful mini cupcakes that I left at home. And I asked her specifically because she had something left over, <laughs> Sister Lago Marcino, and I left them at my house. So I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said anything, huh? No. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll freeze them and bring them on Wednesday or something. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, and it reads, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the home where they were sitting. Verse 3. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled, verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 5. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound... A crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Verse 8. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own or in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Eliamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. If we can put our phones on silent or vibrate or off, whatever you like to do, but not on sound. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Turning your Bibles to the book of Leviticus, chapter 23, beginning at verse number 15. Leviticus 23, beginning at verse 15 through 22, verses 15 through 22. Leviticus 23, verses 15 through 22. 
Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, the third book in the Bible. Verse 15. From the day after the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering. I should read further up, but I'm going to stay here. Count off seven full weeks. Count off 50 days up to the day after the seventh Sabbath. And then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. Verse 17. From wherever you live, bring two loaves made of two-tenths of an ephah of the finest flour baked with yeast as a wave offering of first fruits to the Lord. Present with this bread seven male lambs, each a year old and without defect, one young bull and two rams. They will be a burnt offering to the Lord together with their grain offerings and drink offerings, a food offering and aroma pleasing to the Lord. Verse 19. Then sacrifice one male goat for a sin offering and two lambs, each a year old, for a fellowship offering. The priest is to wave the two lambs before the Lord as a wave offering, together with the breasts of the first fruits. Excuse me, the bread of the first fruits. They are a sacred offering to the Lord for the priest. And that same, on that same day, you are to proclaim a sacred assembly and do no regular work. Hmm. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field to gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible, chapter 23. Exodus 23, beginning in verse 16. Or I'm going to read verse 16, and then I'm going to give you another chapter. Exodus 23, verse 16. In fact, I'm going to read verse, go to verse 14, actually. Exodus 23, beginning in verse 14. Three times a year you are to celebrate a festival to me. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread for seven days. Eat bread made without yeast as I commanded you. Do this at the appointed time in the month of Aviv, for in that month you came out of Egypt. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. Get that. Nobody is to appear empty-handed, no matter who they are. Celebrate the festival of harvest with the first fruits of the crops you sow in your field. Celebrate the festival of ingathering at the end of the year when you gather in your crops from the field. Turn to, in Exodus still, go to chapter 34. <laughs> Same book, Exodus 34. And I want you to go to verse 22. Exodus 34, verse 22. And it reads, Celebrate the festival of weeks with the first fruits of the wheat harvest and the festival of ingathering at the turn of the year. And then finally, I want you to turn in the New Testament to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to read two verses, a few, couple of verses from here. In fact, I'm going to read... 
starting at verse 3. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. I'm going to read, start at part B of the verse. 1 Corinthians 15, 3B, and verse 4. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, part B. And it says that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Verse 4, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And then look at verse 20, still chapter 15, verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, I'm only going to be able to deal with this briefly today and come back next week and continue. This is a complicated matter that we're going to be discussing today. Yet, in the book of Acts, what I read ties into... <laughs> He's having fun with the baby, that's all right. <laughs> This ties into what we've been talking about with Christ leaving earth, going back to heaven. So as we've been studying the Great Commission, Jesus' 40 days on the earth before ascending to heaven, we now come to the place where the Holy Spirit is given in chapter 2 of Acts. The Lord had told his disciples in Galilee to stay in Jerusalem until they had received the promise. He told them that he would not leave them comfortless as well in another passage. He's not going to leave them alone. He told them that the Holy Spirit um, would be given to them, but he could not come while Christ was still on the earth. Christ had to go back to heaven in order for the Holy Spirit to come. Jesus, while ministering, ministering, could only be in one place at one time. The Holy Spirit would be able to be everywhere. Christ, in his, in his limited role that he took on in human flesh, could be in one place at one time. But we also know that God is everywhere present at the same time. So in order to accomplish the work of God, you must have the power of God in your life to carry out his plan. There's no way around that. You can't accomplish God's will if the Spirit of God is not in you. You may start out well thinking that you're in the will of God, but when trouble hits, you will quickly find out that you don't have the power nor the ability to be able to complete the task. Sinners cannot carry out the plan of God because they are in opposition to his will. You cannot be a sinner and be in the will of God, it is, a, an, impossi it is a, an impossibility. You can't do it. It's impossible. So when we look at being effective in the work of God, it must be the result of the Holy Spirit working in the life of the person. A lot of people want to do church work stuff, but many don't want to do what God requires. We want relief from our burdens and pains, but we don't want to give up our sin. We don't want to go through the difficulties and problems of life, 
but we don't want to go through the challenges and the things that it requires in order for us to get out of. So we want relief, but we don't want to do what's required. On the day of Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit came. And I'm going to spend the bulk of this day today dealing with that. That coming or the coming of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost. Pentecost. The word pente means 550. It means five. Or it means 50, I should say. The word means 50. Pentecost. The Bible says when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. When the Lord was delivering his children from Egypt, while in Egypt, the Lord told Moses that he was to go and deliver them. When he sent Moses or called Moses from the backside of the desert, the Lord said, Moses, I'm going to send you to Egypt to deliver my people. Moses had been in the land of Midian. Moses, if you, if you remember, had killed a man. And because the deed had been found out, he took off and he left town, ran and came to the land of Midian, and the Lord appeared in the bush to Moses. And I said that when the Lord showed himself in a different form, it was called a particular word. It started with a T. Does anyone remember what that big theological word is? Yes. No, that's not quite it. That's a good one. <laughs> he did. Yes. It is called a theophany. T-H-E-O-P-H-A-N-Y for those who are writing it down. T-H-E-O. Theo means God. Theos means God. T-H-E-O-P-H-A-N-Y. Theophany is the appearance of God in a different form. For example, as I mentioned, when he appeared in the cloud in the desert, when they had the cloud over them. He appeared in the burning bush to Moses. That is called a theophany when God showed himself in a different form. And so the Lord, in showing himself to Moses, told Moses that he was going to be that one who would deliver them and that the focal point of their exiting out of Egypt was going to be Mount Sinai, the the place where the Lord had shown himself and told Moses and revealed himself to Moses. So Mount Sinai became the focal place where the Lord gave his laws to the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. You follow me? All right. Now these laws in the Old Testament were not suggestions they were not just good ideas, nor were they good starting points in order for us to develop what we needed to tell God he needed to do. God's laws were not for you to write your own laws. They were not suggestions. 
They were the commandments of God. They were his laws that he gave and that he established with his people. He started it in Egypt and yet gave them to Moses at Mount Sinai. We have heard that the Old Testament is types and shadows. We oftentimes hear that the Old Testament are types and shadows of what was to come. They were symbols. They were showing forth what God was going to do in bringing about the fulfillment in the New Testament. There were things that were, um, that were fulfilled in the Old Testament, but there were points showing of what God was going to do in and through Jesus Christ. In the giving of the law, there were seven feasts that the Lord instituted for the Israelites to carry out annually. That's what we read. We read one of them in Leviticus 23. Those feasts were feasts that the Lord instituted for the children of Israel. As I mentioned before, feasts or the laws and the symbols that God gave, God gave oftentimes symbols in the Old Testament that was pointed to something that he was going to do. As I mentioned, God was, is and was big on symbols in the Bible. And so the Lord gave these feasts, seven feasts. Now, three times a year, it was required for Jewish males to go to Jerusalem from wherever they were. They had to go to Jerusalem because the Lord said that I am requiring something of you. And three times a year that he said that they were to go. The feasts were the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Weeks or Harvest, or what is known as Pentecost and Acts when the Holy Spirit came. The Feast of Weeks is known by different names. Feast of Weeks, Harvest, First Fruits, the Feast of Pentecost. It is also called the Feast of Ingathering. After the Passover, the Lord said that the next day there was to be the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now remember, after the Passover, that was instituted where? In Egypt. When the Lord said, I'm going to pass over the houses of my people or the houses that had the blood on them. Remember that? There, were, there was blood on the door frames and above. And so the Lord said that Pharaoh is going to let my people go, but before he lets them go, I'm going to send a little help to help him. And so the Lord sent some plagues. But by the tenth plague, the Lord says this final plague will eventually lead to the children of Israel being able to leave Egypt. And so on that tenth plague, the Lord told Moses, now I want you to do something. I want you to have blood placed on the doorpost. I want there to be a lamb without blemish that the families are to prepare. And then I want them to prepare some bread. But for that bread, I don't want any leaven. Don't put anything that will cause it to rise. No type of fermentation. Nothing 
to be in that bread. So that need, that bread they got was to be taken with them. The, 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 the sheep that was prepared, the lamb, was cooked that night and they had to eat it with their clothes on. Their feet with their shoes prepared and they had to eat it in a hurry. It was the Lord's Passover. Because when the call came for them to leave Egypt, the call would be so quick and he would say, get out of town, that they wouldn't have to be time time. Oh, let me go get my stuff ready. No. They had to have everything ready to go and eat it, dressed to go. Because the Bible says the Lord was passing over. That's where the Passover comes from. The Lord instituted this. Big, big, big in the Jewish tradition and in the Word of God and what we see in regards to our redemption. Just huge. With the Passover, the Lord said that now. He said seven weeks were to be counted off. So when we get to the place in Leviticus, chapter 23, it reads, From the day of the Sabbath, or the day after the Sabbath that we read in verse 15. Let me go back. I want you to read, I want to look at something that I hadn't given you. That's in verse 9. The Lord said to Moses, in verse 9, chapter 23, verse 9, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land I am going to give you, and you reap its harvest, bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain from from the harvest, or the first grain you harvest. He is to wave the sheaf before the Lord, so it will be accepted on behalf, on your behalf. The priest is to wave it on the day after the Sabbath. The day after the Sabbath. First fruits, the day after the Sabbath. The priest is to offer this. Wave offering. On the day you wave the sheaf, you must sacrifice as a burnt offering to the Lord a lamb a year old without defect. Verse 15, from the day after the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheaf offering that we just read, of the wave offering, count off seven full weeks. There are seven days in a week. Seven full weeks would be seven times seven equals 49. Okay? Getting this? Verse 17, from wherever you live, excuse me, count off, go back to 15. From the day after the Sabbath, the day you brought me the sheaf of the wave offering, count off seven full weeks. Count off 50 days up to the day after the seventh Sabbath. The word penti means 50, right? This is where you see that 50. That day after Seven full weeks, add another day to it, and you come to the 50. Okay? I'm trying to lay this foundation. The feasts were to be constant reminders of what God did for his people in delivering them from Egypt. The feast of first fruits, 
that day after the Sabbath where the priest was to wave the offering was not to begin until after they entered the promised land. I'm having to kind of take my time with this here because it's important as we deal with Acts. So the foundation is being set. When they entered the, the, the promised land, they were to implement the first fruits, the observance. Because in the wilderness, they had not reached their destination. They couldn't celebrate as having, uh, um, having been given the promised land. But the principles and everything being laid out in regards to how it was to be done was done back here when the Lord laid it out at Mount Sinai. And then even in Egypt when he told Moses, here is what I'm doing. And then at, the Mount, Sinai, at Mount Sinai, he lays it out. Now, I may be missing some things. I know Sister Michelle has done a teaching on this in Sunday school or parts of this. And, and, she's, and I, each year she's going to be going through the feasts as a regular thing that we're going to be doing. But the first fruits are important when we look at it in regards to being established way back in the Old Testament and what the Lord was going to be doing even in the New Testament. So it is to be observed or started when they enter the promised land. It was to be the first fruit that is harvested and that offering is brought to the priest as a way of saying, Lord, we thank you <clears throat> for this abundance of crop and blessings that you have bestowed upon us. We know that we didn't do it by our own hand. And so we weighed this as an offering to you, but then it had to have also a lamb that was killed and offered with the sacrifice. Always a reminder that it was the blood that saved them. The benefits of the bounty of the land, but a reminder of the first fruits. This is what God did. And so before they could even roast or eat anything of the land, they had to bring it first to the Lord. I need to say this. When we think of our giving to God, the Bible says we are to bring our first fruit to him. It is a challenge for people to give their tithes and offerings. I know that. The first fruit of the land was the first bounty that was presented to the Lord, and they couldn't eat anything until the Lord received his first. That was the command. Nothing is to be eaten until it is presented to the Lord. Why? One of the key reasons is that when it was offered to the Lord, he then blessed the entire crop. It was a way of recognizing that God is now blessing everything. This portion I am bringing to God is blessed, and now the Lord has now sanctioned and blessed everything in the land. First fruits. It sanctified the entire harvest. It was a way of showing that God comes first and all of our provisions 
are in him, and he is to be recognized as the great provider for our fruit as well as our sin. When the Lord Jesus Christ was going to be crucified, it was important that there be no blemish in the offering. And so in the Passover, when the Lord was going to pass over in Egypt, he told the people, don't bring me no crippled lamb. Don't bring me something that you don't want yourself. It has to be unblemished. No spot. No defects. Bring it into your house during those four days, and I want you to inspect it. Get close to it. And when it came time to kill it, it would be hard to do because they had made a connection with that lamb. That lamb had to live in a house with him during that time. It would become the family pet. But then it had to be killed. It was going to be felt. But that lamb had to be perfect. When Christ himself came, God had to prepare Mary a body, a virgin. She's a virgin. God could not use the man's seed because man's seed is corrupt. The blood passes through the man to the female, not the other way around. Therefore, God could not use man. He sent the seed that was pure from heaven. So there was no defilement. So the Lord had Mary, the virgin Mary, had not been with the man, and he himself sent the seed that impregnated Mary. It wasn't a Roman soldier. as the theory was going on. Mary got pregnant by a Roman soldier. No. And so as Christ walked this earth, fulfilling God's plan, the time came for him to die. Just like the lambs that had to be always offered without blemish, Christ came as the Lamb of God, fulfilling the Old Testament prophecies and the symbols of the lambs that had to be killed during the sacrifice. He had to be perfect. He was and is perfect. And so Christ comes to the time now of the Passover. Huh, interesting. That Christ now is going to be offered during Passover week, just like in the Old Testament when the Lord passed over. It required the blood of Jesus being spilled in order to pay for the sins. And so Christ, during Passover, what we call Passion Week, is placed on a cross. And on the day that he's being killed, they have to hurry after He's dead to take the body down because the Sabbath is about to begin. 
because it begins at sun down. Saturday is the Sabbath in Jewish cult, in Jewish calendars at this time. It was Saturday. That's the Sabbath. So Christ dies. Is buried. Then something interesting happens. He is raised to life early Sunday morning, the day after the Sabbath, the day of first fruits. When the children of Israel had to enter the land and offer to God the first, first, best, Christ rises on that day. First fruits. He was the one that rose on that Sunday, the day that the priest would be in the temple offering the sheaves. And remember that lamb that had to be killed along with it? He fulfilled that as well by being the perfect lamb of God that presented his body, and then now he stands himself as an offering to God since I've already paid the price. I raise as the first fruit now as an offering to God that everybody that now comes after me is now beneficiary of what I have now done. And so the Lord rises on the day of first fruits. in connection with the festivals that were set back in the Old Testament that we read in Leviticus 23. Then we see that Christ, as I bring this to a close for today and pick up next week, we see the Lord for 40 days walk on this earth revealing himself to his disciples and people, his followers, and told them, tell my disciples to go meet me in Galilee. And then he tells them something interesting. Where all the problems are, I want you to go back to Jerusalem and stay there until I send the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it was required that three times a year, all the male, and they would take their families, all the people had to gather in Jerusalem. So when they would come there on the Passover, many people that live far away, they wouldn't leave. They just stay there because they got another festival that's going to be coming up. So when you get to Acts chapter 2, and it says on the day of Pentecost, that we read back in Leviticus, count off 50 days, is the day that the Holy Spirit is coming. 50 days on the day of Pentecost. If you follow me, you see how God has worked this whole thing out. And so when people say, oh, I don't read the Old Testament... I don't, I don't, I don't need the Old Testament. Yeah, yes, yes, you do. Yeah, you do. God is in the business and habit of fulfilling His promises, His word. He He has a way of making everything work out just as He planned. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, 
When he told his disciples, didn't I tell you that I was going to leave you? But I'm going to send you the comforter. I'm going to send you help that you need. While you've been running and scared to death, he's going to embolden you to be able to carry out the work. On Pentecost, 50 days after. Now, let me say this. Passover is intricately tied to past two Pentecost. You cannot have one without the other. Pentecost, in relation to Passover, it is counted the day after Passover. Remember, 50 days out is Pentecost. You, you, you cannot separate the two. Today in schools, they try to put Easter way someplace else now. Ain't got no relation. But no, it is tied to. So Passover begins the marking of Pentecost. When we come back next week, I will then go further now into Acts chapter 2. The verses that we read. As we set the foundation of the first fruits and then the Feast of Harvest. Now let me just say this. There were two harvests that came during for, for this, this end gathering. There were two rainy seasons, and so there were two different harvests that occurred during the Feast of, or during Pentecost. Two different harvests. And I won't go into that, that depth right now because our time is at an end. But I, I, I want this foundation and connection to, to ring out loud to you because the Lord does things in such a way that there's order, and, and, and he does it in such a way to where he, he, I always say that God has a sense of humor. Because his plans as it unfolds, it just confounds the wise and people of the world. Just confounds them, and they're trying to pinpoint and do certain things, and God has already laid out in his word why he's doing things and how he's done it. And remember this, the Holy Spirit points people to Jesus. Keep this in mind. He points people to Jesus. It is Christ that is to be honored. He's the one that saves us. They work all together. It's one God revealed in three persons. But he points people to Jesus. So somebody comes telling you that you don't need the Lord. It's somebody else. You can talk to somebody else. You can be accepted someplace else or whatever the case may be. It's a lie. It's only Christ. Our time is over today. Let's bow your, bow your heads with, you, with me. Today I want you to just, for the next minute, I want you to think about the sacrifice that the Lord made and the offering he gave. That he says, this first fruit, this offering of first fruits that Christ himself fulfilled, but in the Old Testament was a way of showing the Lord that we recognize it's you that provides. If the Lord is not worthy of your first fruits, then what is he worthy of? If God does not have your first fruits, what is he getting? 
What are you offering to God if he can give his best and we can't? If it's in your ability to act, why doesn't God get our very best? Do you not know that your salvation is based on the fact that it had to be the very best? You could not be saved if it wasn't God's best. And I don't think we really take that into account. So then we bring to God that which is in our best and say, accept it. God says, no, I don't accept that. I only accept your best. Oh, he can take what you give him and work with it. But no, he wants your best. And so today, I want you to ponder in your heart as we leave this place today, am I really ready for Pentecost? Am I in a place where the Lord can pour out his Holy Spirit in my life anew, afresh? Or am I holding back? We are dangling over hell for those who don't know the Lord. And it only takes God to just say, that's it. And we're plunged into eternity. That's how serious it is. He provided the first fruit and the sacrifice. He gave it all. And says, just accept it and bring your best to me. Today, Lord, may this word reach deep into our very lives. And not leave any of us the same. We pray that we will take this word. Ponder. Meditate. Chew it. Live it. Change. For the glory of God. And as we continue this message next week. We pray that our hearts will be prepared. The ground will be broken up. To receive what God is saying. In Jesus name. Amen. May the Lord bless you. See you later this week.